You ready? I'm gonna bump it. <laughs> That's the one. Oh, we know this song. <laughs> As I drop it out, fade it out, I can bring that up anytime you want. Yeah. Or anybody else. For any uh, reason. Once is enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's up, my friend? Oh, what is up indeed? You know what would be really fun to talk about? What's that? Um, like versions of FileMaker that might be coming soon. We could probably we, talk about some of it. Some of it, because some of it, like, you know, they make really public. So at our meetup last week, um, Chris Ippolite did a presentation on our Zoom uh, and did a really amazing demo of 19. He showed he showed the CoreML features. Yep. And how to um, how to use machine learning, how to trigger it using a Siri shortcut on an iPad, where you spoke a command which runs a script. <clears throat> the little feature of how to basically like donate access to a script to Siri, right? And then Siri knows how to read that, uh, and then have the script fire off machine learning and tie it all together with the new. Uh, JavaScript native functionality. Oh man, it, that he can really do a demo. He, he he so deeply understands it, and like the pacing and the features. And it was just it got me really excited about the new features. Really excited. At least on the on mobile. Now the implementation, I believe, is uh, on desktop and server is only partial. So I don't know. Like yeah. So what's the deal? So CoreML, you mean? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? So yeah, you yeah. can't. I thought CoreML was also on the Mac, but maybe I missed something. Maybe that's the partial. I don't know. I just know that uh, I've uh, I've looked at the steps. I've looked at how it's going to work, and I understand it. Um, haven't implemented myself, but um, yeah, it should be pretty easy. I mean, as long as you have a tool that will help you train a model. Mm-hmm. So whether it's oh, visual yeah, he showed, or not. Right. Yeah, he showed. Uh, on the Mac using Xcode and how to train the model. And he, there's a specific program that, and of course he, you know, was paid to make things look easy and he did make it look easy. Yeah. So, I mean, there's going to be a bunch of, there's probably more than just one program that you can use in order to train a model. And it depends on what you're going to be using, whether it's a visual model or a non-visual model. So I, I, I believe right. he showed the visual model, which that's pretty easy. You just get a collection of photographs and then you load those mm-hmm. in then the algorithm runs through and figures out whatever it's going to, you know, how it's going to classify things. Yeah. yeah. His example was cool. He take, he took a bunch of, uh, photos of, um, football helmets that he's collected. He's got, he's a total football nerd. So he has these little mini helmets. That is true. Yes. I actually, I think I saw his video of that. He had posted it somewhere that I saw yep. it. So anyway, we can't talk about any of that goodness. We'll have a good, long, dedicated uh, podcast about it when the new version drops, whenever that is. Should be coming up sometime. Uh, I mean, last year, was this was the month when they did it, so maybe it'll be this year. Or this year. It'll be this year. It'll, <laughs> it'll be this year, most likely. Maybe it'll be this month sometime, <laughs> or maybe into next month. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's uh, just to be able to use the features in production will be actually be uh, fun for me. They did um, actually the 
they did a preview. They announced it. It went out to um, if you. I think even if you had a license of FileMaker or if you were on their developer program, you got notified. They recorded that, and then they actually put the video. It was an unlisted video, but they put it on their own public website of their roadmap. But then they took it down, I think it was like a couple days after. But there were some tweets that linked directly to the unlisted YouTube video. So it might, oh, I thought it was a listed YouTube video. No, it was an it was unlisted. Um, that they recorded it and then they put it up and it was out there for a couple of days, but then they took it down. Hmm, okay. I think it's a. Uh, I don't know the URLs off my top of my head, but um, uh, in the web, it's like probably claris.com roadmap or something like that. I know you could use a Google qualifier and search for like uh, site colon claris.com in url colon uh, roadmap and you should be able to find it but the, the video will probably be taken down just because everything is embargoed until then all the details and yep. specifics mm-hmm. so you had an idea for an interesting game that we can play i did and i have a couple of tech questions for you too so what do you want to do first let's do the game all right so my idea for the game was, uh, and I've even created the file. It's called what? Well, I mean, it's not that hard. You just <laughs> you just click on <laughs> file new, and it's a file. Yeah. There's nothing in it. So I just need it just in order to open the sidebar here. All right. So the game is called Have You Used It? And <laughs> so I'm gonna I'll I'll bypass anything that I'm pretty sure you've used. Um, do you want to go through script steps or do you want to go through functions? Hmm, functions. Functions. I'm more likely to not. <laughs> All right, so let me create a, I'm gonna some. create a calculation field here. Oh, here, there's your name, calculation. And here's my sidebar. All right. So I'm going to look here briefly. All right, here's a good one. Uh, and you have, to, you have to give a uh, uh, an assessment of the percentage of use. All right? Okay. All right, so a percentage of use after I say it. Okay, code function. Oh, pretty rarely, but I do use it in triggers code and char together. Yep. Okay. Percentage of use, I don't know. What's less than 1%. (laughs) Have you used it get as CSS? Oh, yes. I like that one. Any Wait. any use like what what would be a suggested use? I mean, I've used it. Yeah, too, get a CSS. Get a CSS. You can use against a, a field that has styled text in it, and it will basically turn it into HTML. And then you can strip out certain tags because it's really it, it could be called get as HTML, but it's called get a CSS. Yep. Um, um, so like if you just bold something or italicize something or change a font or change its color, it'll give you really clear tags. So is that like a, uh, I'd say that's a 1%, if that. I, using a percentage is, is hard because, I mean, there's a handful of functions I use all day, every day, like case and let. Yep. And so those are 99%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, let's see here. Here's an interesting... Have you ever used get as SVG? Yes. Not me. I have used uh, get as Except SVG. test it. Um, only a handful of times, and only when I'm creating like a tool specific to uh, FileMaker. 
and working obviously with SVGs. Um, mm -hmm. It works well. There was a um, actually I think Daniel Woods got his tool. I forget what it's called, Elemental or something like that, um, where you can uh, take icons and stuff like that. But it's it's that's probably a point zero one percent that one. Yeah, highly focused. So here's a good uh, good one: left words and right words. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Have you used it? Yes, all the time. Oh, you do. What do you? What's yeah. a, what, Give me a good example. Um, if you're looking at a name field, and there might be a first name and a middle name. Uh, and you want to like you want to uh, use it like a word count function, and then grab the number of words based on what you're doing for a search. Here's a really good example. Let's say I have a script, and uh, I'm doing a, a a name match, and I've got a name like um, um, I don't know Bartholomew uh, Escapod. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Rap Come up with Rapunzela. <laughs> <laughs> how about, how about uh, John John James Smith is your person's name? All right, and you don't know if James is the middle name, or if James is the second part of the first name, or like a name like Mary Catherine. It could be Mary Dash Catherine, or Mary Space Catherine, or Mary or Catherine could be the middle name, or Catherine could even be the last name. So you've got all these things that are going on. Anyway, so that's your starting record, and in your database there's a record called Mary Smith but it's actually Mary Catherine Smith. And so if you're doing a search, you want to actually use left words to grab the first word of the source and then go to find mode and do a search on Mary on the first word. And then if that one fails, you want to do another search on the second word of your source because you might also have a Catherine Smith record that's the actual matching one. Mm -hmm. So those are the scenarios that I use left words, right words, middle words all the time. Nice. Well, here's my, um, here's my example. You want to hear it? Mm -hmm. So when you're dealing with a path, that if that path includes a file, the file has an extension, right? .png, yeah. .gif, mm -hmm. .tiff, whatever. If you want to, FileMaker doesn't have an extension function. So you have two options for how you can break up a path. The first one is obviously to use a substitute and substitute the slash for a return, which generates a return delimited list. In order to grab the extension... Mm -hmm you'd have to substitute then the period, and the period will give you that extension on the last line. In the past, I used to use um, right or left values, but the problem with all of FileMaker's values functions are that they automatically assume that you're going to append additional values, so they include an extra return. Turn, hard return, I hate that. I hate it too. Yeah. So that's something you have to be aware of. But if you use the left words or the right words, you just pop that off of the last of the stack, even if it's a return delimited list. Mm -hmm. It will get. The Fortunately, last if you use the trim all off function, of it gets rid of those trailing hard returns. Oh, wait. No, it doesn't. <laughs> There's not well, an easy way to. I was saying that trim all can get rid of that last hard return, but it doesn't. There isn't actually a simple function that gets rid of a trailing hard return. Okay, that's uh, that's actually one of my pet peeves. Of all languages I've ever worked with, FileMaker is the one that doesn't have a proper trim function where you're able to supply what you actually want to trim out. That would be ideal. <laughs> yeah, like an anti-filter like an anti almost. 
Yeah. Like, you know, filter this out as opposed to filter this in. Yeah. 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 There are hmm. definitely some, uh, FileMaker could, would do well if they would go out and just have a powwow and say, let's look at these other languages. Look, look at Python, PHP. What are these, what are some of the functions that they always use? Trim is one of them. Of course, mm -hmm. pattern matching and regular expressions. I would argue that's another one that every language has that FileMaker doesn't, but yeah, that's been a sticking point for me for over 20 or 30 years now. <laughs> do, you, do you ever use proper and anything in production? <clears throat> um, I don't. I haven't. I pretty I've much maybe don't used either. it once. It, it's kind of close, but if you have... If you have an address, like if you use proper on an address field and you have an address like 1234 Northeast Fremont, it breaks because it treats Northeast as yeah. uppercase N, lowercase E. And if you have a name like McTavish, it breaks because it's not upper, lowercase T. So yep. we need like a smarter one. Yeah. No, that one's that one's been uh, custom functionized. That's what I'm, I'm going to make up a new turn. <laughs> if FileMaker Your lacks we'll do, it. We'll do two or three more and then we'll go to uh, scripts. Oh, okay. Uh, so we were just in... That was all in the text area. Let's go to... Um, you know, text formatting. I'm going to say that that probably... I'm, there's maybe two or three in there, but the rest of them I just... I, don't know, I use them arbitrarily, yeah. independently, but not all of them all the time. Low use. Yeah, we use them fairly low, but when, because I use button bars quite a bit as layout calculation objects... Text formatting is really useful um, because it works on the button bar. Yeah. Now here's, uh, we go back to high school math and go to the number section. I can't say that I've ever worked on a FileMaker solution where I've used the uh, LG, LN, or log. I haven't had a need to do those, but I know that they are immensely valuable if you need them. <laughs> I totally have used log on something. And a couple of these other ones, too. I had a, a bunch of years ago, I had a function that was calculating the distance between two GPS points. Yep. And it needed to calculate for the curvature of the Earth. Uh-huh. Any of your geometry? And so I had to use, yep, I had to use some of those. Now, I do use custom functions that include them, but I've never, you know, put them into practice myself. I've never had the need to. Yeah, I use ceiling and floor quite a bit. I use that in combination with the random function in order to generate use, random data. I use random a lot, too. I use middle random 4.2 or something like that. Yep. Very... To get, like a, to get a random two-digit number. Very common. How about logical functions? Skip to the logical. Sure, why not? Um, Do you ever use isValidExpression? I have used that, yes. I have not. Have used that one in the past. It's actually is valid expression. There was it was way. I think it, I want to look at the docs now. Is valid expression. I used to use a lot in place of is empty. It was just a way to check for whether or not. Um, uh, actually, excuse me. I'm confusing the two between is empty and is valid. Is valid expression where you actually check the expression. Usually, I do not use that, and I tend to favor instead the uh, evaluation error. So when you evaluate, uh, when you wrap evaluation error around an evaluate, inside of an evaluate, mm -hmm. you can supply a, a field that has a calculation or a literal 
string of text that is a calculation, and if it doesn't evaluate, it'll, gener it'll throw an error, which is essentially the same thing as checking is valid expression. In fact, I'd be interested to know if there's any uh, FileMaker developers or advanced developers out there that uh, might be able to uh, qualify the difference between those two. Hmm, yeah. I have not, not used is valid expression. I don't think ever. Not ever. Yeah, not me either. <clears throat> but I bet it has some utility. Somewhere. There's always something hidden in FileMaker that you find about. For example, um, I forget what it was. Um, there was a particular function that, I, that had some really unique aspect that I... Uh, but that's the case with all kinds of FileMaker. Yeah, I, looking at these other functions, I realized it was not the log function I used for that cert, the calculation of the Earth. It was trigonometric. I used sine and cosine. Ah, there you go. Tangent. So we were making so, ourselves yeah, look uh, really stupid since we uh, didn't remember our yeah, basic 7th grade geometry. It didn't sound right as it was coming out of my mouth, and now I, I'm looking at the right answer. So. Yeah, unless you're in the field, all of the, all of the trigonometric uh, uh, sine, a tangent, tan... Mm -hmm. Those are all... I wish I knew geometry better. I never really use net present value or the other ones either in the financial area. Hardly ever. Yep, I haven't created a financial database. Those silly contact managers, they just don't have a need for, <laughs> for that stuff. Unless you're doing banking or insurance or real estate, yeah. <laughs> you just really don't get into those functions too much. You know one that I really like? Set precision pi four hundred. <laughs> I have not used that. It gives you four hundred decimal places of pi. Pi. I'm doing it right now. Wow, that's funny. However, set precision random four hundred does not. It's because it has to stay in between zero and one. How how far it, out does it go? Oh, like sixteen maybe. Hmm. I haven't, I haven't played that. I know there are there are FileMaker developers that they know these details. Yeah, now you're one of them because you know. Um, let's do one more, and then I have a script question for you. Well, which will lead to the next thing. Oh, you know the get is a fun. Uh, all of the get functions. That's a fun one. Let me see if I can find oh, one yeah. that you have or haven't used. Ooh, here's one that I've been using recently that I'm w uh, interested. Have you used get active selection size? Nope. Don't think so. <laughs> oh, so I used maybe it maybe once a long time ago. I used it in order to determine if a user had a word highlighted within a field. If the mm -hmm. user does not have a word highlighted, then it will return zero. Otherwise, if they do have a word highlighted, you can say if the get active selection size is greater than zero, then that means mm -hmm. that they have a word, and you can then take that and go search for it. Nice. Useful. Okay. Get current time UTC milliseconds. Oh, gosh. Uh, every time that I want to benchmark <laughs> something. <laughs> I know. Me too. That was actually, that was so interesting that that function existed in a full, in a version of FileMaker for the, what was it, 16 or is 15? I want to say 16. 
maybe 17. I have to look at when that one came out. But it was there, and it was hidden. Mm -hmm. For the full version, I'm just like, this is critical. Why? Why? Why did they hide that? And then they finally, the next version, released it with its full actual name, but they renamed it. I have never used get high contrast state. I don't think I ever have either. But let's move over to scripts because I have a question for you. And I should know the answer to this, but I don't. If you have a script and at the very end of the script, you say exit script and you put a zero in the state. What does that do to the script that called that script? Uh to the script that called it, it simply provides a return value of false. Yeah. To the Does script, that mean but to the UI in FileMaker, if that's the script that it ends on, then it does not produce whatever the event was. So if it was tabbing to the next field, it doesn't tab. If it was enter, it doesn't enter. If it was a script trigger that was said, you know, needed to close a popover or whatever, it doesn't. It just stops. But with regards to another script, I don't know. What's the implication? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's actually just to the UI, but not to the other script. And so uh, I think I've been using that as a lazy way of just like, oh, the script is done. Just give me something in here so that the other script can call it to say if it's not null, if it's not zero, then that means there's some error or the script didn't finish normally or something like that. But I think I should really be using one as my normal state for a script exiting. Ah, now that's a really... So things continue. I consider FileMaker one of the more confused applications when it comes to a language because it mixes two different return states. In FileMaker, uh, it's possible, for example, the get last error function. In Unix and Linux, when you get nothing back as a result, that means that it succeeded. And a result of zero is success. But the inverse logic is, if I return a zero, I'm saying false, meaning this didn't happen. So the, the flip right. side of the logic is, I want to return a true, this, this did succeed. Having yeah. to understand that in FileMaker is really confusing because it's it's mixed in a bunch of different ways. And, um, for example, the choose function, uh, this isn't a true or false ending type of thing, but it's zero-based. But all of the rest of many mm-hmm. other areas of FileMaker start at one, and they're one-based. One yeah. yeah, so it's all these little nuances that are hard to understand. But, yeah, I wouldn't suggest that somebody just default to exiting a script with... Um, zero because it affects the UI but I do suggest that in almost every script that you at least use the exit script step right and it uh, it <clears throat> the first and biggest benefit as a developer is that it doesn't prematurely uh, finish your script when you want to debug that script meaning it has to get to that very last step Otherwise, some scripts you'll try to debug and you'll be like, oh, crud, it just dropped out of the script because that was the last step, but I wanted to see, you know, what was the result or what was the variable that it had. But the other one is it also prevents a lot of issues um, with systems where 
they're edge cases, but uh, sometimes scripts will just do bizarre things or things don't work the way that you want, and you start to stick in exits and magic things happen. I bet this is a script step you've never used. Uh, it's a pretty obscure one called set variable. <laughs> how, how far do you think you could get if I didn't allow you to use set variable? <laughs> I wouldn't use FileMaker if I couldn't use set variable. In fact, I'm so frustrated sometimes with uh, beginning courses in FileMaker that never teach people how oh God. to... I mean, how do you? How can you start to understand the fundamental of programming if you don't have your own little cubby holes? You've got to have your yeah. places to put things. It's true. I mean, that's a big one. Love it. Oh my gosh! I mean, if you, if I was teaching somebody programming, I I t- always tell them, you have a table. That table is the amount of space that you have to work with. That is directly analogous to memory. You have something that you want to do something with. It is these pieces of paper. You can mm-hmm. put them out on the table and rearrange them. You need to make sure that you have some space left over so you can push them around. If you fill it up, then it's too much and you've got pages flowing off the edge of the table. Well, you need places and variables are it. I mean... It's, tr- it's true. Love them. I'm looking at editing. Clear, copy, paste, perform, find, replace, select all. I've never used any of them in a script, I don't think. I have used clear. Set selection. Clear I've used, and copy and paste I have used, but only when it's uh, an old-school, obscure FileMaker technique, such as, um, well, that's copy all records. When you go into, like, a, a list view, and you want to copy, oh, yeah. copy in the delimited data that FileMaker allows you to get on the, cl- the clipboard. Yeah, but you can do that. That's true. Although I don't really do that anymore. I use the sort function, or the um, the... The uh, summary field function for that that gives you the list of IDs instead of copy all records these days. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, in fact, I I just showed I did a like a two hour long YouTube um, I'll solve your problems type of thing, and I got a number of comments on one particular trick that I use. That if you do not want to have to use a summary function and using the list of, you can generate all the keys or a multi-return value using the replace function. The, um, hmm. you know, our scary friend, the replace, uh, replace field contents. Yeah. So the way that it works is if you use replace field contents and you do it into a global, all it does is it just accumulates all of the values from the range of records that you're getting. And of course, that's a, tricky. A global is locally memory resident, so you're not overriding or messing with any data. You're just saying, "I want a return delimited of this field." Yeah. And just do it against a, a global field. My friend Chris Irvine found something really strange about global fields. They actually make a round trip to the server when you set them. So, like, if you think you're going to set a global field of a container, for example, and put a really large container in it and do some processing and not write it to the server. It gets written to the server, uh, which is very strange. Uh, okay, your turn. Come up with a script step that you think you can stump the chump. All right, let's see here. I'm looking. How about... Yeah, there's some good ones. Some of my favorites. Save records as snapshot link. Oh, yeah. I think we used that one yesterday. That's a good one. 
So you uh, you set up part of your system in order for people to pass these around the the actual link files. Yeah. So let's say let's say you have a system that has PHI. Um, Explain acronym. PHI. Sorry. Uh, protected health information. Okay. So like uh, names of patients, for example. And you want uh, you've got a set of like ten thousand records that you're playing with. And you want someone else to look at the set and review it, you can't you can't export and save the names of those patients. And if you export the, all of the IDs of the patients, someone really doesn't know what to do with it. But if you save a snapshot link um, of the records of your found set, you can email that because it just has it doesn't actually contain the names; it just has the IDs, uh-huh. and it has the layout name and some other stuff like that. And, and it doesn't do anything unless you can authenticate to the database. Then the other user can open it up, authenticate to the database, and poof, they get the right set of records that you're talking about. Very useful. Wow. Now the only way I've okay. used it is programmatically. I've used it to export the link file to the temporary folder in FileMaker so that I could read the contents of the link mm. file into a FileMaker field so I can pull out the record ranges. <laughs> That's right. I think you I, you must have talked about uh, that with me before. I did an article a long time ago. Like, if you want to save yeah. a set, FileMaker uses its own internal get record ID and the snapshot link saves the ranges of those IDs in order to most efficiently restore a found set and yep. so i wanted that info and so i said fine i'll take it FileMaker. <laughs> okay uh my turn um insert from device oh yeah oh yeah you sit on windows a lot do you no <laughs> <laughs> but the caveat to that one is oh my gosh i wish they would quit making these assumptions that you in iOS these devices the cameras keep keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and the default is full so i mean what do they expect filemaker like new filemaker users oh yeah just use insert from device oh but i won't tell you to change the option to switch it from full because you're shoving freaking 50 mm-hmm. billion gigabytes into your container fields when you may not need that much information yeah because of that um, there's a there's a process I use on some of my clients' machines, um, a server-side script that runs every day that searches for images over a certain size. Oh, and it uses a really another... Uh, we're going to go back to calculations. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, thumbnail. Oh, yeah. That one? Yeah. Totally. Get, the get thumbnail function. Yep. Um, you can give it the field that you're trying to get, and you could uh, you could execute a get thumbnail on a f- container field, and if that container field has an image like a JPEG, um, you can set a width and a height. You could put like 1024 by 1024, and it'll use the it'll it'll shrink the image down to the the larger number basically. Right, and it, it maintains its uh, aspect ratio. And if it's a if you execute it on something like a PDF, it just ignores it. And if you execute it on an HEIC, which is like the new format for an image on uh, iPhone, it deletes it. <laughs> so there's a little bit of a problem there, but huh? 
Yeah, I have heard some... It deletes it in certain circumstances. I have heard of some recent issues with regards to, like, videos and stuff like that, that because of the new formats and new devices, FileMaker's not ready for, like, HEVC. Yep. Or HE, what is it? Oh, is that the new video format? Yeah, the one that's, uh... Whatever. All right, your turn. The new one is. All right. Um... Are you it's using, gonna be in spelling, isn't it? Are you using Freeze Window <laughs> these mu- much these days? You know, no. I used to because I used to be Voodoo, and you could make scripts run faster by freezing the window. Yeah, but then FileMaker sort of—they did a lot of optimizations in the most recent versions, where if they know that they're going to a layout, I think they're going to like a virtual layout where they don't actually go to that layout or something because it all happens mm-hmm. so fast. But it also seems to have caused some problems in some instances. There are certain script steps that if you don't stick a pause right after that and like a pause for like a super short duration, the script mm-hmm. just doesn't like to behave as you expect it to. Have you hit that? I have. I couldn't name it, but I definitely have. Yeah. So there is definitely, because you used that word voodoo, there is definitely some voodoo still involved in uh, some certain scripts. So... <laughs> Truncate table. You ever use that? It's an awesome one. Um, I've only had the need to use it a few times. When I use utility, most of my pre-processing is done outside before I bring stuff into FileMaker. And the reason I say that is because usually when you need to truncate a table, you're using it as a utility table. You're wanting to put something mm-hmm. into a table, do stuff to data, and then you no longer need that data and you truncate the table really, exactly. really quick. FileMaker is not uh, very efficient in terms of processing large amounts of data. So I usually do it outside before I bring it in. Well, yeah, I guess you're, you're right. Um, it's just really convenient to code it in FileMaker because it's understood and I can make it do everything I want it to do. Yes. And so in those cases, I do definitely use Truncate Table. Yeah, and on uh, server, it's, it's, it's screaming fast. It's insanely fast. You, yeah, you like do 10 a million records PSOS Truncate Table, and it's like dump. It's just a, it's a drop table like SQL. Mm-hmm. It only works like if everything's correct, like if the user's not full access or one record is locked or something like that, then it will... Yeah, I think it'll just stop the whole command. It checks all those things to see if it has exclusive access to the table, and then it does it. Yep. Um, I love seeing all these old ones that I would just never use, like re-lookup field contents. Yep. That goes back to, geez, that's .fmp5 file format. Mm -hmm. The good old days before we had a modern... Oh, yeah, I have another tech question for you. This is to, I'm going to just keep bugging you with things that have been... <laughs> um, let's say you're, you're gonna, you were going to do a truncate table command, and it could be done validly from several different contexts, all of which are like the same base table, but there's different layout names or they're different table occurrence names. Is there a function in FileMaker that allows you to get the name of the base table underlying either the layout that you're on or the anything like that? Um, There's a SQL function for it. There's I was, an execute SQL. That's what I was just going to say. I've got uh, I've got a SQL function, and that's the only thing that I know of because there is nothing in the um, everything FileMaker returns from all of its design functions are all based on the table occurrences. Mm-hmm. 
And so unless you have a table occurrence that is named the same as your base table, no. Nothing there's no native FileMaker function, but the gets the SQL one will. Yeah, okay. Um let's see. Your turn. FM table. I'm trying to I forget. I have a shortcut that has the two different functions that will get you like all the fields or all the base tables. But yeah, only SQL that I know of. Um let's see here. Let's go to the design functions. Oh yeah. Have Some you used um, value list items? Um, yes, actually. Not in a while. Yeah, I've used that one in but the that past, can be pretty but handy. I haven't recently. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like a good use case for it. But it's really, I mean, you, a, a value list in other environments... Um, a custom value list would be a dedicated table. Yes. So FileMaker really gives you these really informal tables uh, with no security that are labeled value lists. <laughs> That's a funny way to, um, <laughs> That's a funny way to say it. You can allow a user to edit them or not, <laughs> and they can interact with your database to use to be clean data or not. It's like, here, wipe but this they're really out data for tables. me. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many users just do that when you t- when you leave the edit option on any of the drop down popovers and it's like edit list, like wait th- there's too many here I don't need this just get rid of all of them mm-hmm. and just put the one that you want everybody else mm-hmm. where the value lists go. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> FileMaker does need a, if they could revamp some things, they really need a strong uh, alias system. And by that, I mean um, an alias names for fields or alias names for table occurrences. Anything that FileMaker exposes through their UI, if you allowed one more level for the developer to abstract all of their obscure code, and then I would be more willing to take advantage of like FileMaker's UI. Like the sort dialogue and, and things like that, because I could present some normal looking field names or table names without having to people have to guess about my oddball naming conventions. I'm thinking of some other examples. There's some such odd ones in miscellaneous. Have you ever used get AV player attribute? No. That's like that's a yeah. That's very custom purpose. When all those ones appeared. I don't know, in 16 or something like that. Those were, they were clearly set to control the behavior of a playing a QuickTime movie on an, I, on an iPad, basically. Yeah. But I've, I have heard of a few people taking advantage of uh, some of these functions in oddball ways. For example, you could uh, receive, I don't know if the get AV player attribute does it or not, but um, it might. I know it's an AV something. It's probably one of the script triggers that allows you to get the AV, and then there's some companion function where you could use the plus and minus on the little uh, fob part of the earbuds that go to a device in order to control things in FileMaker. Hmm. So whether they go forward or next, when something is playing or something, you can receive those events or something, and I yeah, remember hearing right. somebody did something with it. I saw a demo file of it when those things came out, but it's been a few years ago now. Yeah, and I I never used that. I never had a need for it. 
All the open ones, like open manage value lists and manage themes and manage database, never use any of those. Nope. I've only put those in example technique files. Spelling has been pretty much unchanged, I think, since FileMaker 3. Yep. Welcome to the world of beep and, and dial phone. Oh. Well, dial phone <laughs> came back, though, <laughs> with, with FileMaker Go in the first versions. Oh, that's true. It did. It, it was like it, had, it was on its last leg, and it was going to go away, and... And I came back. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, all of the abstractions, I use those a lot. Get field name. Get, na uh, get field name and get field are like brother and sister functions. Mm -hmm. Yep. What else am I looking at? Read data from file. I love that one. The recover file script step. <laughs> I've never used that one. <laughs> God. Yeah. There are some things in FileMaker that, you know, they're in the menus, so they're, they get added to this list of scripts as possible mm -hmm. functions, but nothing you'd ever really use or do. Yep. Yeah, I mean, everything's always hosted, so recovering a file just, I don't know, never happens anymore. Well... Seems like a nice, uh, broad number of items that we've covered. <clears throat> I love the changes they made in the import dialog. I wonder if they're going to change the export dialog in the same way in some future version. I don't know. I am looking forward to uh, what is being promised in terms of their shorter release cycles. Mm -hmm. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how and where things go in the future. I want to see if they're going to, you know, of all the marketing media and everything that I've seen coming out of them, it you know it's obvious that they're wanting to head into this web first, um, and then they will play up the fact, oh, we're not getting rid of on-prem. We want, we, we've always been on-prem, and we're doing them, you know, side by side. But everybody knows that the, the bigger money is in the online web through subscription-based services. And I'm really, really hopeful that the, the UI and the environment, the IDE that we have, get some love somewhere in this, uh, this rapid development process that they're talking about. And I hope it doesn't end up where we're just seeing, oh, yeah, well, we've added this new feature. Here's our, our web client. Oh, look, we added this to the web client. We added that to the web client. And sort of it, the, the environment that we all love, all of us developers, those of you listening to this right now, I mean, we love working in FileMaker because it's so quick and easy and nice. Mm -hmm. I want to see some love <laughs> applied to this environment. I just really would love it. Especially the graph, the relationship graph, and all kinds of other things. I mean, the whole of a, the whole of any development project, it boils down to this game of how well can you manage this. And an environment isn't so much of what it's capable of, but it's also just as much how well are you able to organize what you have created. Mm -hmm. And and FileMaker needs to improve on some of that. Yeah, when a when a uh, project gets to a certain size, many of the primary benefits of FileMaker kind of go away. Yeah. When once it gets you know really really large, because when when it's a small new project, 
the client can ask you for something, and while you're on the phone with them, you can go in and fix it and add it and modify it. But once it gets to, you know, many developers working on it and, you know, a bunch of records and 200 users using it all at the same time, the kind of formality and the kind of approach you take uh, requires that you really put some thought into it and probably have like a separate development server and, you know, a really rigorous testing system and things that FileMaker doesn't really make easy. Yep. Very much so. In fact, there's, you know, I've always sort of envisioned, since FileMaker's never had any type of version control or it doesn't have any type of integrated testing, uh, a system called unit testing, mm-hmm. um, it, it also doesn't have metrics where you can't, uh, you can't measure things uh, as well as you can in other environments. I haven't in the past, well, in the, mo- the most recent history i haven't worked on a project that i knew was going to get so big that i would need to track things from the standpoint of maintenance but if i was what i would do is the very first script that i would make would be a script that simply writes to a log that a given script was called and that's all that it would do because then i would be able to look from a historical standpoint and see which scripts fade and no longer get used mm-hmm. because then you you have an automatic way of tracking what is current and what is not and that way you can go in and sort of take the cruft out that builds otherwise there's just no way in filemaker to know what happens when you take out something that you think is old and then you've got this cascading break and you're just you know so people just leave it all in it just all ends up staying in there. And uh, it's a crapshoot. <laughs> yeah, we've gone into solutions and put uh, that are mature and that have a bunch of users and clients don't really know. And we put a trigger on every layout, except for list layouts, that like on record view or on layout enter, it writes it to a log. And then we produce a report from it yep. to say, these are the... These are the layouts in heavily rotation, and these are the ones that no one ever uses. <clears throat> Back in the day, I used to do that with um, Google Analytics, too. I'd put like a little one-pixel-by-one-pixel web viewer on there that yep. made an analytic, and it called a file, but I haven't done that in a long time. Or you would simply um, call a URL with uh, query fragments of you know the layout yeah. name and whatever else. Yeah. Done that one, too. That's an easy, that's an easy way to track. If you're going to use an external So what we do system. now is in FM log, which we put in every system we do at AppWorks, is uh, every time a every time a log record gets made, it captures the name of the script that called the log record. And so we get at least we get a list of every script that has logging. Yeah. And so if every script actually that's kind of one way to get that, but you still have to actually put that line of code in in every script you write that says you know call make a log record. Right. I mean, actually, and it's not too bad. Um, if you write, if you write a script that says, you know, capture whatever, I'll call it capture log. If you go in and grant that particular script full access, and all that it does is, it, you know, you do not allow user abort on that one. You go over to the log, capture whatever, and come back. You really, you're not paying a, a big. Uh, penalty in terms of performance overall for the value that you gain over the lifetime of a system. So, 
I think it's funny that we started this podcast and thought, we don't have anything to talk about, and then we end up talking for like, <laughs> You know, I really wonder, you actually were talking to me the other day, and we were like, how many listeners do we have? Is that, I don't know. <laughs> it just runs on the, I know that when, the only way that I know that we have a, an okay audience is because since I manage the Linux box where the, the episodes are hosted, um, I can see on the on the graphs that it ramps up and I've got a higher IO on the disc going out the day mm-hmm. after I release it. But then other than that, I don't know like what people are listening to or which ones. I just go into the iTunes store and just look at the popularity meter that they have on iTunes and I'm like, uh, this one. <laughs> I just haven't spent that much time. We're in a small community. It's a niche. Yep. It's very, very comfortable. And I don't know, I got to really think about like whether I would have a different approach to this podcast if we had a really large or really small number of listeners compared to what we guess would guess we'd have which is like I don't know a couple thousand or something like that I don't know I, that anyway. would be my best guess I mean I don't, I don't think it exceeds 5,000 I'll tell you that but the podcast has been really great as an outlet for me to nerd out about things and I've also very much loved being able to call any other developer who's doing cool things and talk to him about it which you and I haven't done that much lately, but um, it's been really good over the over the many years we've been doing this. We definitely should. Well, I'd love to do like a hangouts and just like come up with a topic and then have people talk about it. Maybe if we can record via Zoom rather than uh, Skype, which is what we're using now, we could like post a time when we're, when we're going to record and have people come to the Zoom. And then if they want to ask a question, we can have them ask it on air and do like a live one. That'd be a really funny, really fun coronavirus um, yeah, I mean, test, wouldn't it? That's totally doable. I just did that with YouTube and did like the two-hour YouTube session and uh, had some people who had questions before and some people had questions like live on the chat. And I just, I just went through them. And some people, a lot of people liked it, actually. Hmm. Uh, yeah, we've been thinking about doing uh, like training like that on a YouTube channel, too. But I think it'd be good for the podcast. It'd be fun for people. Well, if uh, people would like us to do certain things, they're always free to write in. Uh, Matt at FileMakerTalk.com We don't have the .org. We don't have the .net. And we don't have the .fm. Lots of those are popping up lately. Yep. .fm addresses. So... I don't have much else. Do you? No, sir, I do not. Until next time. So, we're going to run the outro. Are you ready? Yeah, I am. Set. Push the button, Matt. Uh Uh-oh. Is it not playing? It is (laughs) now. It's not playing. There we go. Oh, yeah, this this always makes me want to do that smooth radio voice. Right. Thanks for listening to FileMaker Talk. You should do. What is it? QFM? KLAFM. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> WTFM. <laughs> <Radio>. WTFM. <laughs>